Y'all, welcome back to the Ben Barker Fitness Podcast. Y'all, thank you to everyone who's been listening in. I would appreciate it if you would subscribe, share, review the show, and just share this with someone that you think it might help out. Today, I am super excited as a Chicago Blackhawks fan to have Jack Skilly on the show. Jack, what's up? Not much, man. I'm honored. I am a, a, a follower of yours and follower of yours, and I really enjoy your content and what your your fitness outlook. So I'm completely honored to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I appreciate you. And something I was kind of nervous to, you know, like the people I've had on so far are like have been like friends of mine who are like high performers. And, you know, to have a professional athlete on the show. And I was like, Jack, you know, this is a low technology operation. I feel like you deserve better than this. And you messaged me back and said, you're like, man, sometimes it's best just to turn on the camera point and shoot. And I love that. <laughs> yeah, grip it and rip it, man. That's, uh, that's how I play golf, too. You know, just yeah. like let her, let her fly. And I think that's sometimes the best way to do it. Sometimes not so much. But I think in this case, this type of conversation, it's just best to be natural. So it's cool. Yeah. And then and we talked a little bit before the show. And I love what you said. You know, we were talking about, you know, some people just plan and plan and plan. And they have this great plan and they never take action on it. And I think I was listening to another podcast and the guy was talking about sometimes messy action is better than no action. And yeah, I love totally. that. Totally. It's, it's like uh, you get into the trap of chasing perfection. You know, you, you can't you can't be perfect always. You're always going to end up having to adapt and evolve and grow anyway. So you might as well just, you know, sometimes just do it on the fly, sometimes plan it out. I mean, but, you know, sometimes it's just best to, to grow with the process. I agree. Jack, um, to somebody who is not an NHL fan, maybe because if, if anybody's on here, you know, I grew up just outside Chicago. So if anybody I grew up with is listening, they're obviously going to know who you are. But tell somebody who is not a hockey fan who you are, a little bit about your career. Okay, so obviously I'm Jack Skilly, and I was a seventh overall draft pick for the Chicago Blackhawks when I was 18 years old. That's the, basically the start, uh, you would say, of my professional career. Besides, I went off to college for two years at University of Wisconsin-Madison, was a Badger there, and then uh, signed. We won a national championship my freshman year, and then I signed after my my sophomore year of, of college to to uh, kick off my professional hockey career with the Blackhawks. And so, yeah, I played 14 seasons professionally, uh, seven NHL, three AHL, uh, four Russia and Europe combined. Pretty long journey. Been playing hockey since I was three. Everyone asked, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Other kids were saying astronaut and firefighter. I was saying pro hockey player and very, very fortunate to actually live out that dream. So now I'm here. I'm a dad. I'm a normal guy living in the normal world outside of the protected bubble of the NHL and pro hockey. And I guess that's who I am. Jack, I really wanted to look it up before the show and I didn't. And also, you know, I did like a deep dive on Wikipedia and your Instagram looking you up and everything. Obviously, I knew who you were, um, but I didn't know like some of the finer details. One, this is a very important question being for the Blackhawks, are you a Chicago Bears fan or are you a Green Bay Packers fan? Being Ooh, that's too, that's a tough question because the PC, you know, the PC answers Bears for sure when you're playing there, but no Packers, man, Packers all the way, but um, it just, it just runs too deep. You know, you're, I'm a Madison native, so yeah. Ooh, I have a lot of personal relationships that I think would be pretty wounded if I said the Bears. 
Hey, and I'm totally, I'm totally okay with that. Um, but you know, it's funny, like when you were with the Blackhawks, that's when the, like the last time the bears were pretty good, you know, like in 06, you know, I'm a, a Chicago bears fan. So that was like a big year back when like Brian Erlacher and Lance Briggs and all those guys were around. But yeah. That was a fun time. Yeah. No, no shade for being a, a Packers fan. I, I get it, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing, you know, it's just kind of, you got the Favre and then now oh, obviously yeah. we're saying goodbye to Rogers, but yeah, this the the green and gold, man, all the way. I get it. Hey, so when I was looking at your career, I don't know what the average NHL career is, but I mean, you had a long career. Talk a little bit. And I saw, you know, there were some injuries along the way. I know you got injured in college. Like, how did you train and what did you do in order to have a 14-year career in a, in a brutal sport? Oh, man, uh, you just you, basically what, what's the saving grace when you're a professional hockey player or athlete, uh, I can't speak for other sports other than hockey, obviously, uh, is the group, right? We had a really good group of guys in the offseason that would train together at University of Wisconsin-Madison with Jim Schneider. And, um, you know, when you're playing in season, you're moving with the group, you're moving with the team, you're, you know, you're doing team workouts together. And usually in season, it's mainly maintaining what you built in the off season, uh, trying to withstand in the NHL and, uh, an 82 game season plus playoffs plus preseason. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of work and it's a year round thing. So when you get done with the season, you, you start your off season with, usually a reset of sorts and you go some guys go a week two weeks you know the guys that are hungry to get back in there towards the end of my career I was taking much longer I was taking like a month month and a half before I wanted to see the the, you know the insides of a gym Um, but moving with the group made it made it easier uh, to to have that camaraderie in the gym that sense of community and if you needed special treatment, if you needed extra things, you could always ask Schneids or or one of his staff members at Wisconsin to help with certain things. I was more along the lines of, you know, throw the workout up and I'll and I'll chomp on it for the next hour and a half and get it done. That was kind of my mentality. And then I wanted to go play golf every day. Um, so fortunately, for a couple of years, I was a member of a golf course, but that was just kind of a mental reset. You know, it sounds entitled in a way to to talk like that. But as a pro athlete, when you're away from home for six months at a time, you tend to really want, and you're, it's so serious, the pressures that you, you have to manage at the NHL level, not only just physical shape you need to maintain, the nutrition you need to eat, uh, the things you need to eat in order to stay, you know, with it, but also you need to have some fun. It, it's just so much pressure. So the off season's a way to rebuild, and reset, you know, and then you, you hit training camp and then it's on, it's basically on from September all the way until your season finishes. And this is maybe getting a little bit ahead of myself, but, um, did you, I, you know, I saw on your Instagram, something that I, I think is kind of fun to dive into is like the breath work, ice baths and sauna. Is that something that you got into as a professional athlete or was that post professional? Uh, so that, that was towards the end. So it was actually when the pandemic hit, I was always a big Laird Hamilton fan, like pro surfer. I love Laird. I've, you know, for years, even since I was a rookie in Chicago, I would read his books and 
be a big follower of Laird, uh, what he did for movement and just being an innovator. I I'm just really a big fan of, of those types of people that can really craft some special things like that and hone in on their own personal craft or whatever that is. So for me, I had always followed him, but Wim Hof came in, in to the picture three years ago. I, I was in because of the start of start of the pandemic. I really had some time to really dive into that. You know, everyone's sitting at home as an athlete. You're not allowed to go places. It's tough. You know, like you're yeah. used to moving every single day. It's like you get, it turns into more of a mental thing. So being able to experiment with Wim Hof, uh, then taking really what I've read from Laird, what he was doing, and I felt the same way about certain things like um, nutrition wise eating when you're hungry, you know, like just, just as basic and simple as that and eating clean and close to the source and only when you're hungry. That's how I always was. But then integrating breath work and uh, always had sauna and cold tub availability within the locker room space. We never really went fully submerged like ever. We would go just legs usually. So the the fully submerged, the Wim Hof, the breath work plus the fully submerged uh, cold exposure was new like a couple of years ago. And that's when I really started diving into it. And at one point I went like a hard send. I usually, <laughs> usually my wife gives me crap for this. I, I tend to like overcorrect the steering wheel when I decide to do something and then like, you know, like, and then sort it out as I go. But um, I, in the beginning of the pandemic, I went, you know, all in with the breath work. I went all in with the cold exposure and I went all in with, I eliminated alcohol. I uh, was turmeric, anything that would reduce the inflammation in my body and, and really just went into full blown experimental road mode. And I think I drove her crazy, but, and I, and eventually burned myself up. Yeah. I, and it, so what ended up happening was um, I've gone through some crazy transitions in the last year of my life. Um, but finally was like, you know what? I really enjoyed that time in my life when I was doing that, how I felt not only uh, physically, but mental clarity wise. And I was like, you know, I really want to dive back into that. I really want to, I think I'm ready to make some changes and I experimented with it, but with more grace, yes. more like self-compassion towards myself yeah. without saying like, I have to be this identity. I have to do this. And in that, I think is what burned me out before is like, when you tend to overcorrect the steering wheel, you tend to believe, at least I do, that you have to like hang on to that identity. And I think that's what burns, well, at least me out. That's my experience. So yeah. it started out a couple years ago, but now it's slowly transitioned back into more of an everyday consistent staple of my life breath work sauna um and and cold cold exposure in some form or fashion i love that and and what you said i think anybody listening you know if you feel like you don't relate maybe you've never been like a high level athlete or whatever but even if you're just trying to hit the gym 3 days a week like give yourself some grace i think there's a lot of merit in what jack said there it's like you know if if one week your goal is to go 3 times and you only go twice like, so what go three times the next week. And it's just like, uh, last year, Jack, I decided that I was going to do an ice bath, um, for five minutes every day of the year. Um, I didn't make it. And I was so bummed afterwards. And I basically, I just right. quit because I didn't accomplish the goal. And I was like, why didn't I just take a day off and then start again? 
Um, it was really stupid. And so I just started, uh, I did my first, um, from the shoulders down ice bath yesterday. And boy, the first time was rough. Cause I used to do it's just like, tough, just the leg. and y'all listen to me doing just the legs is a piece of cake. <laughs> when you go up to your neck, Oh man, that changes the game. Um, Jack, so for the listeners, the breath work. So when I was doing the ice bath from the neck down, I was doing box breathing. I don't know if you're familiar with like whatever, four seconds in, four seconds, pause, four second, exhale, four second, pause. Are you doing the straight up Wim Hof method or are you doing box breathing? So box breathing was introduced to me when I was playing in Vancouver. So when I use box breathing, I'm not using it in the cold uh, exposure setting. If I'm consistently doing box breathing, I'm doing it to actually, we used to do it in Vancouver when I played, Uh, the, the trainers introduced it to us. It was amazing to basically send you into the parasympathetic state. Yes. Right. So like when you're, when you're, we would do a game, we play a game two and a half hours, whatever. And then if you didn't play a ton, like myself, fourth line guy, you know, you're playing five, five to eight minutes a night, or maybe more if you, you're playing well and the coach is riding you, um, you, you need something, uh, well, sorry, guys in that, that would play that minimal would end up getting some sort of a workout in the guys that played a ton didn't matter, but your adrenaline's pumping regardless whether you get an extra workout in after the game or you're a guy that played 24 minutes and you just need to do a spin to cool down either way your sympathy your your your, um nervous system is still going and you need to find a way to like shut it down and a lot of guys will say that and i was one of these guys i couldn't sleep until like 3 a.m after games because I was so much adrenaline firing because my sympathetic state, which is your sympathetic state is your fight or flight, right? As you know. So like you're in fight or flight still, even like hours after the game. So we would use box breathing. That's been proven to send you into the parasympathetic state to like calm you down and the parasympathetic state being the recovery mode. So that's pretty much the only time I would ever use box breathing is like after post to work purse workout. But it's, I would love to experiment that with that and, and exposure, cold exposure, because I'm sure it does calm you down. Yeah. Um, and, and Jack, what he said, y'all is, is so important because I've heard, and, it, and it's making sense in my brain now, because I've heard that snipers in the military use box breathing. Um, and I'm not making a political statement y'all, but it's like, you can't be all jittery when you're about to pull the trigger. Like same, if you're going to shoot a deer, if you do box breathing, it calms you down and puts you like in the zone per se. So you're calm and in like a ready state. And so well, it's actually don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure it was created by a Navy SEAL. No Box joke. Breathing. Yeah. If I find that out, y'all put it in the show notes, Jack, in the, in the, put, put the Wim Hof breathing into like simple terms for people who don't know, including me. Okay. So for me, I used to, I did it at all points in the day when I was really experimenting with it, but really what it is, is it's 30 breaths. So uh, all the way in yeah, and then exhale, like let it go. You're not like shoving it out. You're just letting it go. And you're doing 30 breaths. So for 30 times, right. And then on your 30th breath, when you exhale and let it go, you hold. So you hold as long as you possibly can. And from my understanding, so I read this book called Breathwork for Warriors. I believe that's the title of it. Really cool book for breathwork. Uh, but it talks about uh, abdominal thoracic breathing, which is you know breathing from your diaphragm, how that 
you know, your the biggest portion of your lungs are in in your in your diaphragm region, your stomach region. So breathing in with your stomach first really charges your body with oxygen. So you're doing this 30 breaths and it's like hyperventilating. Yes. Right. Basically, that's what you're doing. And then on the exhale, you hold. And then what ends up happening is it's like carbon uh, carbon dioxide. It's uh, or, or, sorry. CO2 tolerance is what you're yes. training yourself to do. So CO2 is building up and your body, and this is like from Laird, your body's telling you like, I need, I need oxygen. I need oxygen. I need oxygen, but you can actually fight it and suppress it for longer and longer and longer. And then at that point, when you feel like, you know what, I have to take this breath, you pull it in, you hold a big breath for 15 seconds yeah. and then you release. So that's your round. So it's 30 breaths. On the exhale, on the 30th breath, you hold, and then you fight it as long as you can, and then you pull in, and then you hold that inhale for 15 seconds, and that's one round of Wim Hof. And uh, I've not done that, but I've heard in the ice bath, don't you, like, you get like a euphoria or something like that, or like a, a high, correct? Yeah, I, so I haven't even done that in the cold tub. Now, I've seen Wim Hof does it. Um, I... I have not done that in the cold tub yet. What I do it is I do it early in the morning, first thing, empty stomach. Uh, before I have my breakfast, like before Leroy, my son's up, I get into the into the shower um, and and I'll do like eight minutes of of Wim Hof, right? Yeah, and or you know uh, maybe. Maybe I'll sit in a quiet space before I hop in the shower. But like, that's like the first thing I do with my day is I do Wim Hof breathing and get and charge my body with oxygen. Cause that's really what you're doing with Wim Hof is you're, yeah. you're basically loading yourself up with oxygen. And there's, and it actually, there's been so many, you know, Wim Hof has, has proven so many scientific people wrong yes. with his methods. So, yeah. um, you know, inflammation and, um, you know, especially in the morning, it, it helps, it helps increase cortisol and there's just so many benefits to it, especially during the morning, but you can do it at all times during the day, you know, uh, you know, being in therapy myself with the therapist, you know, she's a mindfulness coach. She was always talking about breath work and, you know, any form of breath work during the day, whether it's Wim Hof, it's box breathing, or just literally five minutes of like feeling your breath yes. is just so good for you mentally. So for me, for me, I don't do it in the tub per se. Um, I will eventually when I get more access to consistent cold exposure. Yep. Uh, tubs. Right now, I'm doing ice shower, cold showers, not ice showers, but cold showers, and um, I do that after I get my three to four rounds of Wim Hof in in the morning. That's pretty much all you need. Yeah, man. So I'm, I assume you're familiar with Andrew Huberman. Uh, Huberman. Yeah. Um, so two things on him recently, like I've noticed I struggle with like anxiety and stress probably as like most guys do. Um, and I just remember him posting a tweet a while back and it was something like, like two minutes of mindful breathing a day or like when you're in a stressful situation. And I can't even remember, I'm going to screw up the percentages, but like drastically can decrease your stress and anxiety. And it's like, it's dumb because we breathe every day, but we never think about it. And I swear when I slow down and I'm feeling stressed and I take like even just 60 seconds of like focused breathing and it makes an immediate difference. Totally. And even like next level that plant your feet on the ground. Okay. 
like literally when you're there, you just like, you sit there and you feel your feet on the ground while you're like feeling, you're sensing your breath, you're paying attention to your breath, your inhale, your exhale. But then you can do this like for three minutes, you can do this little body scan where it's just like you feel your body from the ground up and just bring it together. And like, I always like end up ending in my, my head area where it's like, I literally feel like my, all my focus is now there. And when I do that, because I'm the same as you, I, I am full of anxiety, you know, as a former athlete, you're, I'm a perfectionist, you know, I gotta be moving constantly. I might have a layer of ADHD uh, somewhere in there, not like laughable. I mean, it's very real, but you know, it's just, very, very on all the time. And there's just, it's good to basically find a way to hit that reset. So yeah, not only get the breath, but what I found too, just to, you know, maybe throw you something your way or your listeners way is plant your feet into the ground and really feel the ground underneath your feet and start there and do this little body scan. It's really nice. It just calms you down. Heck yeah. I'll have to give that a try. That's awesome. Um, um, and also random on, on Huberman as well. The reason I started doing the ice bath from the neck down is he posted something as well. And, and to your credit on the cold showers, it was like just five 30 second cold showers. So finish every shower with 30 seconds of cold exposure and one ice bath a week. It was like decreased uh, fat around the waist, decreased stress and anxiety. And so I started trying to implement that. And I, and like the cold shower is rough at first, but after you do it a few times, when you get out, it feels amazing. Oh yeah. And it's, it's such a, you, you brought up earlier, like my first cold tub in a while. It's, it's like uh it's such an acquired feeling with that. So you have to be consistent with it and you got to get over that fear. When you first get in, it's like, everyone's freaking out. Like, Oh, this is going to suck. This is painful. This, and it does like, it, there's always a layer of that. But what I found, even when I was playing, just doing my lower body, the worst part about it was your, your ankles and your feet. Yeah. Right. And like the ache and the burn and like, oh, this this is so painful. I want to get out of here. Um, But then after like a few times, you start noticing that like, oh, my my ankles and my feet, they don't hurt that bad. I'm kind of used to it. So it's just that initial push to like try it out and then you get used to it. Your body just adapts. But yeah, yeah, that adaptation. Huberman's got some pretty cool episodes on that. And I've, I've done some, I've read some literature on it too, where, you know, it's like, um, I, I forget what, what the exact terminology is, but turning your body, your, your white fat into brown fat, cause your, your body uses brown fat for energy. So basically the reason why you're ending on cold is your body wants, you know, you want to let your body have a chance to regenerate its own heat. That's really where you get that that fat burning, right? Um, Their white fat is obviously being stored, but you have brown fat that is burned for energy resources. And, you know, don't directly quote me on this, but um, that's, that's, that's what I've read, right? And that ends up becoming the way your body reheats. So I, I think that process Um, again, don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure the process of your white fat, fat being used as an energy resource turned into brown fat is that whole, um, fat burning concept. And, uh, I think there's merit as well, just in like mental toughness and challenging yourself with something new. Um, I got a buddy, I got a buddy of mine that is like at 6am on the dot 
every day. He's in his backyard and, and he's breaking the ice, the layer. Yeah. And he is going in and he's like, he's, he's in his uh, early sixties. So he's like full send mode. Like I'm proud yeah. of that guy. Yeah. And then, and like, and I think about, you know, what I want to do, you know, I'm, you're, you're only a couple of years older than me. How old are you, Jack? I'm 35. So I'm older. I'm 31. Okay. Okay. Um, and so I think about how I want to look and be when I'm 60. And I, I still want to be a unit when I'm 60. And I think these are a lot of the little habits that are enable will enable us over time to do that. Yeah, I think too, like speaking into that movement wise, so that my mentor, Steve Merland, uh, used to be uh, the uh, strength and conditioning coach for the University of Wisconsin men's hockey team in the 90s. And then he was for the San Jose Sharks. And he he's a very big functional movement guy. And he hates that term now because he feels like it's so watered down. And yeah, it really yeah. is. It really yeah. is. Um, but really the looking at your body like a kinetic chain where – from toenail to fingernail that, you know, you want to create a good length and tension in that chain. And if you have too much tension, a link breaks, right? If you have too little tension, you can't do anything with it. So his movements basically, as you can see, like even on like my page on Instagram, like a lot of that stuff is, you know, when I'm doing a press, I'm doing a rotation. So I'm, I'm trying to create some length and tension, opening and closing the chain constantly, whether that's from the ground up or whether that's just, you know, um, you know, your, your point of contact is you're holding a weight or a dumbbell or whatever. But when you say like a unit for me, my goal is like, yeah, I want to be a unit. My version of a unit is like supple. Yes. Right? I want to, I want to be like when my son, you know, he's three right now. When my son's a teenager, I'm going to be like in my fifties and, or no earlier than that, I'll be like in my four mid forties. So I am going to be wanting to play catch with him. I'm going to be wanting to play baseball. We live in Park City, Utah. He's going to want to go on the mountain most likely. He's going to want to rock climb. He's going to want to do mountain biking. He's going to want to do cycling. Whatever he wants to do, I want to be able to do with him and learn with him. So my goal is like to make sure that I'm, I'm supple and, and I'm strong, um, but, but I'm not strong and stiff. Yes. Right. So there's a difference, right? Strong, stiff or strong and supple. And that's I think that's probably like watching you and your videos and what you're doing. I think that's what you're doing, too. Right. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're a nail on the head. And I think that I'm going to use that like <laughs> strong and supple is greater than strong and stiff. And you'll see that in a lot of guys that pressing and squatting lat pull downs, very strong, but you ask them to move laterally and they got nothing. Uh, nothing. They can't get up off the floor without grunting. And those are things that you've got to practice and you've got to strive for and, and go follow Jack on Instagram. Uh, Cause I think soon that page is going to blow up because the way that he trains is a way that you can achieve those things. Like you start training that way in your thirties, so you can maintain that. And, and, and it's never too late. I've met people who didn't start working out till their fifties and they saw drastic improvements. And that's the thing, you know, the, it's really about variety of movement. And you know, this, right. I think I'm in this experimental phase in my life right now, training myself because I'm opening a gym in Utah. We're, we're trying to find the lease in the space. We're doing the health department with the cold exposure. I mean, believe yeah. me, it's a thing. 
Oh, like yeah. Trying to get the health department to approve people going into ice tubs is a yeah. lot harder than I expected. So yes. you're trying to like explain to these health department people that you're like, I'm not crazy. Like yep. There's science out here, right? But anyways, so I'm trying to build this and I'm and I'm looking at it more of along the lines of like, okay, yes, like a lot of the movements I do, like I could do them well because I was a professional athlete. I have that capability. But if I'm the guy that wants to be wants to be an athlete later in my life, yeah. What same. what do I how do I train? How do I train that person or how how do I facilitate that space? And so I'm taking a lot of that functional movement stuff and or movement um training and i'm trying to plug it into what i did in my off season with barbell work you know before barbell was kind of like a term that my trainer and i never really used it was kind of like we are not using the barbell yep. it was like we despise the barbell and i get it because when you when you grab a barbell and i'm using his direct i'm giving him full credit here this is steve merlin's full quote when you grab a barbell, you virtually lock yourself in the sagittal plane. Yeah. So, so when we walk, we're actually walking even in the slightest degree in the transverse plane. Yeah. So, so his his concept is like, why would I use the barbell? Like, yeah. like I'm not even walking in the sagittal plane. Why would I do that and train an athlete in that way? Now. I'm not like that. You know, I, I see his angle. I believe it to be true what he's saying, but I also believe there's a time and space to be using barbell. Agreed. Do I think it should be fully consuming your plan? No. Yeah. That's where I'm at with the whole movement. I'm trying to find ways to use both barbell and yeah. functional movement training as, uh, and work it together and create that balance. Yeah. It's like my, my personal like methodology is like for just straight up strength, and talking like muscle stimulation, like central nervous system, it's hard to beat the barbell. But when we're talking about being strong and supple, that's when the kettlebells and I think the dumbbells and getting lateral really comes into play. If you want to be like, I talk about all the time, like if you want to look like an athlete or if you want to look like an athlete, train like an athlete, you know? Right. And I think it's actually more simple. Like there's a viewer that doesn't or a listener that doesn't really understand these concepts, like maybe you and I do, that might be complicated for them to hear, but it's as simple as, okay, you do a barbell movement. You can think of it as, okay, if you do a barbell movement, that's more of a pull um, yep. or let's even backtrack. If I'm going to do an explosive barbell movement, like a clean or a snatch or like a push jerk, I'm probably going to match that with a mobility element because because then the rest of my workout, it, it's going to hook into what I'm doing next. And what I do next is more or less going to be, is it an upper body push exercise or is it a lower body push exercise? Meaning like, is it bench press? Is it rotational bench with dumbbells where I'm pushing or is it push ups, or is it squats? Is it uh, deadlift? Right. And then I would match that. So if I'm going to do, let's say I, I start with squats, I'll go a push, lower body push, and then I'll, I'll match that with an upper body pull. Cool. I like that. Right. And then the next set will be like the upper body push, like the next superset will be an upper body push, lower body pull. So like SLDL or RDLs. So you're getting yeah. that full chain. Um, and then you're also, you're able to get some transverse movement in there. Like there's ways to hit the posterior side of your body, the backside, your hamstrings and everything like that, as you know, without having to like isolate. 
Yeah. Right. So you can get everything moving together and you can start going, you know, do like a transverse lunge where you you go back in a 45 degree angle. Right. And and so now you're believe it or not, some of you out there that are listening to this, if you just try going into a lunge at a 45 degree angle back yeah. and just tap the floor with your hand, your your hamstrings are going to be super sore the next day or two yeah. because you're they're not used to moving in that way. Right. So yeah. um, finding a way to match those things. So it's actually easier than you really think. So you can blend barbell mobility easy. Totally. You just got to think about it. You got to plan ahead. Yep. And to your credit, um, like the single leg Romanian deadlift might be like my favorite exercise in existence. It's just like, I mean, like balance, you take your shoes off, like proprioception, glutes, hamstrings, low back, like, and you, you'd be surprised in the years that I've been doing personal training, you ask like it to me as an athlete, and I'm sure you the same way to do a single leg Romanian deadlift. It's just like, I just do it. It's not difficult. You know, I mean, maybe if I use a ton of weight, but then I get like a person in their forties who's not well-trained and they're like falling over. And I'm like, it, it's not a hard exercise guys, but mm-hmm. it's something you have to train and, and, and to be corny. Like if you don't use it, you lose it. 100%. Yeah. And that's the challenge for you as a trainer too, is like, you got to find a way to go remedial which is yes. super hard yes. when you can do something really well and it's easy to you, like even as a hockey coach, like it's super easy for me to like go full speed and, and stick handle the puck and make up play moving, moving fast. But for a 10 year old, yep. it's not easy. So I have to figure out a way to like really get it to the point where I can like progress him there. And that's, that's what, what you do is special. Like what, yeah. what full blown fitness coaches do. I have mad respect for like, I'm not a full blown fitness coach. Um, I'm trying my best to like, you know, show people there's a different way and it's achievable. Like you don't have to follow like, you know, the CrossFit crowd and just go do these. A lot of people probably, if they're honest with themselves, they're a little bit nervous walking into a CrossFit gym and they're probably intimidated by what they're seeing. Um, and in reality, you know, doing CrossFit as your sole way of training year round is, is not good for you, but, um, and I think that people are starting to tune into that. And I think they're starting to change their phases, which is good. I think it's like the one thing that I would really love to like leave your listeners with is as a, as a former pro athlete, we talked about in the beginning, I had my season. I had my comp- competition season where it's like seven, eight months. So for that three, three to four months, I'm preparing for that season. That's yeah. a totally different. I'm not on the ice every day like I am in the season. I'm not doing the same things. I'm doing way different things and I'm building I'm building strength, I'm building power, and I'm building uh, and then I'm getting in I'm getting fit. I'm getting really really in good uh, you know, cardiovascular shape to prepare for training camp and then during the year it's all maintenance. Yeah. It's all like just stay there if I can or recovery. And I think that's the one thing I'm seeing the biggest mistake people make is they train the same year round. I mean, I have buddies that are like heavy road bikers that are like, okay, there's a ton of snow and there was like six feet of snow on the ground here in park city. And I'm seeing guys that are road bikers in the gym that are just spinning. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, this is your opportunity to do something different. Like build some strength, build some power. And then you'll be able to, at the start of your cycling season, you're going to be able to push further than you did at the, at the end of last season. 
if you just do it smart. So I think that's something that I think I'm seeing now, especially now that I'm trying to build the gym space is try to dial in that education and say, Hey, like you don't, you don't want to do the same things year round. If you want to be like a life athlete, be like yep. an athlete. You got to go in phases, man. This is some high level stuff. And I'm glad we went here because we weren't planning on this. And I love that we talked about in the beginning, like going down a rabbit hole, rabbit hole. But as an athlete and, and Jack knows this, you know, being in college and high school and a professional athlete, there's a thing called periodization that I don't think most like recreational fitness people are hitting. And, and the same thing within CrossFit, you can't go 100% year round without wrecking your body. And there, there's a time to taper and and to deload and that's something that's funny jack that i've done since i was in high school that i don't talk about a lot to to followers that's important y'all there's got to be weeks and like you can still train hard but where you're maybe going 70 percent, you know on a deload week versus 100 man that was good well and that's the thing too is that people don't realize that you can actually get aerobic capacity training in a zone too Right. You don't have to be go ride the Peloton bike and ride until you fall over or puke. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't have to do that. And in fact, if you do, you're putting yourself at risk of overtraining and, and getting sick, you know, yeah. and, and, and just it's, and burning yourself out mentally and physically. And then that's when people we talked about that, too. It's just about creating that balance. And I find when I'm really doing that stuff, when I'm paying attention and I'm starting my day the same, I'm doing breath work. I'm getting hydrated. I'm experimenting with supplements. Like, you know, Huberman's a really, Huberman Labs are a really good spot to learn about supplementing and, and, and experimenting with it. Like, you know, not doing a bunch of new supplements at the same time, taking yeah. one and seeing if it actually affects you. Because, you know, in the hockey world, at least I called it, um, you know, expensive urine. Yeah, 100%. You know, like, but, you know, supplements can be expensive urine. You know, a lot of the times you just, you know, you're taking it in and you're just peeing it right out. Um, and you're spending hundreds of dollars a month on this stuff and you don't even know if it really affects you. So take time to experiment on that. And, and you know, when it's really fun, when you have a plan, right. When yes. you have structure and I'm, and I think when people do the same thing over and over again, the same complaint is like, well, I'm plateauing. Well, no kidding. You're plateauing. You keep doing the same, yeah. you walk in, you do bench press, you do bent over row and, and then you do some squats and then you, you know, you walk away and. You, you maybe do that two, three times a week, but it's, it, that, that, I mean, that looks boring to me. I'm watching you yeah. do it. That looks boring. Like, well, of course you're going to burn yourself out. So finding ways to have fun. And that's why you'll see me like, I'll do some barbell lifting. Like today was more of an anaerobic, like power day. Um, but, you know, I'm in this phase of like, I'm trying to do like power development. I'm getting ready for cycling season. Right. So like, I'm like, I want to be a road biker, you know, from, from basically April until as far as I can go until that snow falls, right? And I want to yeah. be a road biker and mountain biker on the trails. We have mud season out here and we got a ton of snow. So it's going to like people are going to go nuts out here like mental because a place like Park City, Utah, when you live in the mountains, you want to hit, hit up the trails. So that's a lot of this demographic here is like we have 400 miles of trails here in Park City. People want to hit up the trails, but when it's mud season, yeah, those trails, like they're not any fun. So, yeah. but I'm going to be road biking, but that's my whole thing. It's like, I just want to make sure that when I hit road, road biking season or biking season, I am like pushing further instead of starting out with 15, 20 mile rides. I want to be in that 30 mile zone. And then by the time I get mid through summer, like I'm in like 40, 50 
And then, you know, maybe they do like a Fondo, you know, fun bike race where it's like 60 to 100 miles and I'm cruising. And I mean, call it like, call it like conquer of the useless, what like whatever you want. But for yep. me, it's, it's just like a way, I think, as a pro athlete to finally get into that back into that headspace of like I'm competing against myself. Yes. Which is really, I think, the key. Like I, I have competed against an opponent my whole life for the last 15 years, and I'm burned out from that. Like if I go suit up in, in the hockey world and I go and I play men's league hockey, I'm not having any fun. It's not competitive yep. for me. Right. But now it's gotten to the place where if I can like compete with myself and go intrinsic there, that's where the gold is. And that's what I'm doing right now. That's my why. Yep. And I'm the same way. And I think there's a lot of a ton of merit in that. And that's why like tracking certain things. And I don't know if you do that on the bike, but how quickly you complete a certain distance or how quickly you recover. And it doesn't always have to be it can be a little vague, but in like a non, like what I call like a non-scale goal, like if going 30 miles typically takes you X and you do it seven minutes faster, like that's a huge improvement, you know, for like, say like a person who's trying to lose some weight and they do road biking. Um, maybe the scale doesn't move initially, but your performance is improving. Like that's a great way to track improvements. And one of my favorite ways is getting people to do performance goals. Totally. Yeah. You need goals. You 100% need goals. And that's, that's the hard part for me. Cause I'm like, I, I kind of go off of feeling, you know, as a, when you, when you're a pro athlete for so long, you know, like, you know, when you're, you know, when you're cheating yourself and you know, when you can push a little bit further and, and you know, when you've pushed too hard and you need to pull back. And that's as a pro hockey player, pro athlete, you, you learn that as you go, like, and you usually learn that the hard way. Yeah. Right. So, um, and there's new things where you can start really getting instant feedback, which is great. Like HRV, there's apps that you can use. You can like press your finger against the camera on your phone. Like there's a cool app I was using while I was playing at the end where like you pay attention to your HRV and you, you can, uh, one, one little trick that my trainer had me doing, Steve Merlin was, you know, record my heart rate every day when I wake up. Cool. And yeah, really neat because when you end up, what ends up happening is consistently over time, you'll see that you'll hover right around the same resting heart rate, but then one day it'll tick up and then you're like, okay, well, that's maybe that's just one day. If it strings together like two, three days, it means you're either overtraining or you're getting sick. So being able to understand just like your body will give you that feedback, but you just have to find a way to like record it down. So yeah, I like that you brought up goals, like, Goals are huge and it's something that I don't think about as much or like, well, not think about, um, talk about as much because it seems to be more of a natural way, um, a way that I've done things over the last years, last few years. Yeah, I assume that probably comes naturally to you. But on the flip side of that, uh, you know, everybody's big now in the strength and conditioning world, like on progressive overload, progressive overload, and we need progressive overload. But something that you hit on earlier um, is y'all it's, it's supposed to be fun. Like, and it's okay. Like you should, and you do need to follow a program with progressive overload. And, but like, sometimes it's okay just to work out for the joy of movement and like, it, it should be fun. And that's what, like what you're talking about, uh, like adding in different movements and trying things that challenge you. Like at times it's okay to go a little off program and, and do it for fun. Yeah. I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, I want to train to play, man. 
Like I want to play. I want to be able to go outside and really enjoy, you know, and not put myself in danger of getting hurt. Being yep. on the, you know, the physical therapy table because I pushed it too hard. I wasn't, I didn't prepare. But like I see, I see all these, you know, it's hard. There's so much ego attached to training these days where it's like, you know, I get, I push this much weight on the barbell and, you know, I'm seeing guys squatting like 400 plus pounds and I'm like, why? Yeah. Why? Like, you're not, you're not, a, you're not being paid to do that. Like, like, and you're not gonna, most likely you're beyond that point. I'm sorry, yeah. but like, yeah. you don't need to do that to be strong. I think uh, another way of putting it, and I'm quoting my old, my mentor as well again, is you don't have to be uh, an athlete to be strong, but you have to be strong to be an athlete. So right. like, if you're just training as an athlete, you're going to be strong. You're going to be supple. So if you're, if you're moving well, and it's, it takes like an element of trust because you're probably seeing people in the gym grunting and putting up all this heavy weight. And you're like, man, that dude's strong, but I don't know. There's, I'd probably gamble on you. You'd probably, you know, beat him in a, any type of race down the hall. Like if you're, you know, run, run or do anything or be active outside, his space is in that box. Yeah. He will never be able to leave that box and go and, and ride on the mountain or go paddleboarding on a lake. If you live in the Midwest or go road biking or go and, and really have a good time playing basketball one-on-one -on -one with his son or friends or whatever, or pickleball, like whatever. Um, he's just going to be in that box. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't want to be in that box. I want to, I want to, I want to just go play man and play a talk. Train to play y'all because I, I, two examples is one, uh, I ran a half marathon with zero preparation because I trained to play. And I, I think it may have not been wise, but I did it. And then but I how'd did you feel, but how'd you feel, you know, uh, running it, I felt great. And I actually put down a pretty good time and I, I did run track in college. Uh, but I, I did not feel great the next day. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> Body was pretty pissed at you. Huh? Okay. Yeah. I recovered like uh, muscularly. I wasn't sore, but like my knees hurt. Um, and then I also did uh, a 30 mile bike race and I'd never clipped into a bike before Jack. Uh, but the guy who was the owner at the gym I was at told me I was doing it. He brought me a bike. He taught me how to clip in. I rode 15 miles and then we ran up and over a little mountain that was about five miles, got back on the bike, did another 15. It was my first time clipping into a bike. And wow. I think when you train the right way, you can do those kind of things. And for the record, I was not competitive in the bike race. Like I did not win, but I did it. I completed it and it was a great experience. And that's why you train. I think that's play. the thing too. I think that's what I guess bothers me probably more than anything is I'm seeing people competing with each other. And I'm like looking at that as, as going like, come on, man. Like we don't need to compete with each other in the gym space. Like yes. if you're doing, if you're doing a, a friendly bike race, like, you, you're riding with your buddies, like, you know, if I'm riding with, with you or anybody else, I'm not sitting there trying to like beat you. Yeah. Right? Like there's, there, there's literally nothing in that for me. Um, I'm there because I want to enjoy the experience. And if I'm doing it because I'm, I want to be with my buddies and I want to ride together or I want to do a race together, um, I'm not doing it to be competitive. I'm doing it because I strictly just want to enjoy that. 
and yeah. and and just see oh you know it's it's nice to have that feeling of oh i'm in a race but i'm not gonna like i'm not trying to win the damn thing like what's that gonna give give me you know um but at the end of the day i think too like there is value in pushing yourself 100%. right it, if it's if it's intrinsic and you're like you're pushing yourself i think there's way more value than like being threatened by the guy that's like you know, oh, okay, he just squatted 400 pounds, so I'm going to go do it now. And then there's chances are you're putting yourself at risk for what? For, you know, yeah. and, like stop, just stop. There's nothing to prove. Like you're, you, don't, you don't need to prove that to yourself extrinsically that you can match that guy's weight or beat him. It doesn't matter. In fact, let him compress his spine. Let him have a, a, a disc, a herniated disc. Let him yeah. do it. You be the smart guy and you get to go and play and you lift less weight more powerfully and you're yeah. going to last much longer. But yeah, that's one thing I think that's just kind of bugging me. Like I, maybe it's bugging me internally because I personally, and this may sound arrogant, but I don't feel like I have much to prove anymore. Yeah. You know, I play at the highest level of my craft, right? I didn't, I didn't go as far as high in the, uh, um, as I expected, you know, a seventh overall draft pick. I didn't, I wasn't playing top minutes as you would expect for a high draft pick. That yep. took me a long time mentally to overcome and let go of and, you know, still be able to give myself a pat on the back and say, Jack, you had a great career. But nonetheless, playing at the highest level for me, it's like, OK, so if I win that bike race or I make my friend feel like shit because I just totally, you know, <laughs> beat him. Like, yep. what did that do for me other than I just that's a lose. That's 100. still a lose. Yeah. Right. So. Um, I just genuinely hope like listeners out there are like tuning into this and understanding like you should be training because you want to push yourself and you want to yeah. push your own limits. But you also, you know, for me, I guess maybe it's me projecting, but being able to structure your day around that making sure consistently there's some form of movement, whether that's mobile, a mobility day where you're just stretching and moving around and hitting the reset. And the other days you're, you're grinding a little bit harder, but setting some time in stone every day for yourself. Um, and then before you even get to that movement space, trying to find a way to get some breath work in, dialing in your nutrition and those tiny little things um, I've found really give me a sense of control. And I feel like when, when, when I have a sense of control, this is my own experience. I'm not going to say this is the same for everybody. When I have a sense of control over what I'm doing, I'm much more motivated. And when I'm much more vote motivated, I, I am in a way better mental headspace, physical headspace and something we didn't touch on, but fatherhood, I'm more there for my son. I'm more yeah. there for my wife because I'm taking care of me first. And that may sound counterintuitive, like I'm selfish, but really like if my wife isn't taking care of herself, if she's not taking care of herself mentally and physically, chances are we're going to kind of be bickering a little bit more and then to be bickering, you know, cause we're both not taking care of ourselves and you're doing it in front of a three-year-old child. Yeah. That's not the way you want to raise a kid either. So I think that process of being married, raising a son has really made me realize the importance of like, if you're one of those people that are like, I am working, I work nine to five, I get it. 
like super hard to do, but there's still time before you get to that job. Whether you like to hear that or not, there is still time. So you get up earlier, find a way to set, reset that button or start the day the right way and then go into it. But I was working a nine to five job not too long ago where I completely lost touch with myself and our household wasn't good. Yeah. You know, and, and that to me was like a big time red flag was like, you know, I could blame that on the job, but it wasn't the job. The job was just the catalyst. It was me the whole time. It was me not willing to, you know, set aside time for me and get myself situated so that I could be fully there for my family and, and for that job. It just, that balance wasn't happening. So I think, um, Obviously, it's a long rant, but like your listeners, I hope they understand the importance of setting a, setting aside time for yourself daily, whatever that looks like. And if you can't get movement in, get breath work in. If you can't get like if you can't get breath work or movement in, get nutrition in. You know, like something, and then start there and see if you can start stringing them together. And once you start stringing them together, oh man, like the mental clarity you get and just the drive you have every single day. And, and then you get to a point where like, I don't know about you, Ben, but I'm like, I really want to nurture and grow relationships with people. Yes. Right. And it's like, now I'm starting to get that sense of community and it gives me chills. So now Dude, it's like, you go ahead. I'm so glad you touched on that. Cause that was so good. And the, and we didn't even really touch on, you know, like the, the mental health benefits that come along with movement and that, that I believe that it bleeds into your children. And, you know, if the husband isn't doing what he needs to do, but the wife is, I believe that bleeds into him and vice versa. When you're doing the right things for yourself, Jack, you know, that b- bleeds into your wife. And when you're both doing it, it, it bleeds into the kids. And that's a beautiful place to be. Yeah. And it, you get to that place where you actually find, and it sounds counterproductive because you're like, oh, where, where do I have any of this time? If I'm doing all these things and then I'm doing work. Where would I have time for anything else? But actually, since you're taking care of yourself, you're actually more there for other people and you're able to like, yeah. And now you're you're basically, for me, like I am so excited that this stage of my life as a pro, at, former pro athlete, you, people don't understand this element of pro sports, but you, you, you live six to seven months elsewhere. You meet 25 to 30 other people. If that's, if you're playing in a new space, like I did pretty much every year, you're not really there long enough to really get tight with those people and you know it. So you're kind of like, ah, I'm not going to really connect on a deeper level. So for me, I realized at the end here, I was starving for community, starving for relationships, starving for friendships, like hardcore, like in your face, I'm here with you every single day walking through life with you, friendships, not only just obviously with your spouse, but being able to really nurture and grow a sense of community and how empowering that is, you know, especially now that I'm building, I'm trying my best to be an entrepreneur and I, I run a hockey academy, but also I'm trying to build a gym now. Yeah. Having that sense of community and that just like a buddy checking in, Hey man, uh, you know, my buddy checking and saying, are you riding the roller coaster of a startup or are you keeping things at even keel? Just like yeah. that. Like, yes. Hey man, thanks for checking in with me. I, I was, I, I'm kind of on the roller coaster, but I'm doing my best. But yeah. 
having time and space. And I think it really stems from, you got to take care of you first, man. You got to, you got to dial that in. Otherwise, no, you don't have space for anybody else. This could be a whole nother podcast and we're about to have to wrap it up. But uh, I saw something the other day. It was talking about, you know, your children need to see you like in healthy friendships. You know, they can't just see you with your spouse because, you know, if kids are socially awkward at times, it might be because they never saw their dad interacting with his buddies in a healthy way. And I think that that goes a long way in teaching your children, you know, that community is important. Yeah, I think, too, it's it's uh, I was watching a I think it was a show or something. There's a YouTube clip. This guy touched on that. He said. uh, Back in the back in the agricultural era, you know, farmers would raise their kids on the farm and the son, father and son would be working together in that in that environment. And he was saying there's like a cellular transfer between father and son at that point. And um, really, like the kid is looking up to his father figure and there with him every day. And he's learning about what that looks like. Well, then in the, the industrial era hit and now it's a nine to five job. And so dad comes home and you get the temperament of dad. You don't really get to connect with him on a daily basis. So it changed everything. Right. And that's like kind of like what my dad had to grow up with or your dad had to grow up with. And I think what people are starting to tune into is just what you said, like the importance of being a good example. And what is that good example? You know, um, but making sure that if you are a nine to five job and you're, you know, that was a challenge for me not too long ago is I'm exhausted from my day. And, yeah. you know, Leroy's running around. He wants me to play with him and I have no energy. It's like, hey, you got to figure that out. You know, you got to what ended up happening was I finally got to a space was like, you know, Sarah, I need 15 minutes to decompress. And then yeah. and then I'm ready to go and I can be fully there for Leroy. But that was a struggle. And some in some ways it still is. But um, but yeah, being a good example. And I, I remember I did comment recently. Cause I, I, I did see it somewhere, but it was like, um, there's a difference between being a father and a dad, yes. you know? And I think that's something that I really want for my son is him to understand that, like, I do enjoy my time with him and I do want him to be successful and I want him to be independent. Um, I want him to be strong willed and yes. passionate and, but, but, but I want to support him to find those things. And if he sees me doing that, to your point, I think I set him up for much more success. Boom. Jack, this has been awesome. We may have to do a part two sometime, man. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> this is fun. Hey, fun um, for me. tell everybody, um, where can they find you and support you? The best place to follow you, what you've kind of got going on online. So just uh, my personal personal handle, at Jack Skilly. That's it. I, I just started that thing. Um, I, uh, I, I had a, a different I, uh, account a long time ago and I got away from social media, but then I'm right back up now that I've started a couple businesses. So yeah, I would love, I appreciate a follow and, and support there. And then um, eventually I'll probably transition people into more of my, the gym space. It's called High Performance Lab is what we're trying to currently construct. Um, a lot of red tape, a lot of uh, ups and downs, ebbs and flows there, um, but I'm confident we'll get the job done eventually. Um, and uh, obviously, I have the hockey academy, but um, 
I'm more more trying to enter into the fitness world here and try to just share um, the pro athletes angle uh, yeah. and give people information that they don't real realize that is out there. Less is more. And, um, you know, if you're doing things that are super complicated, you're probably doing it wrong. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it should be fun and it should be enjoyable for, for yourself and, and those around you. So Ben, I really appreciate um, your time and hosting yeah, me man. on your show. And I hope I didn't rant too long, but um, obviously, as you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about this stuff and I really want to help and serve others. So, man, I, I loved the angle that it took. Um, y'all make sure you go follow Jack. I'd maybe be looking out. Hopefully we'll hit a part two sometime. Um, go follow him, give him some support. Make sure you uh, subscribe to the show. Um, go sign up for a free uh, workout subscription trial on my website. Y'all thanks for joining and we'll see you next time.